0: Hello and welcome to account instruction help and how to in this lecture we're going to talk about the statement of cash flows at the end of this we will be able to define what a statement of cash flows is we will create a statement of cash flows we're going to explain the process of creating a statement of cash flows that will help to reduce errors within that process define the indirect method so the statement of cash flows is going to be one of our timing statements the other timing statement, the main timing statement we think of, how we did over time, being the income statement. Difference between the income statement and the statement of cash flows is, of course, that the income statement is telling how we did over a time period, let's say a year, but it's on an accrual basis, meaning we're wrecking reveni- revenue when it is earned, we're recognizing expenses when they are incurred, and therefore. That is good for many types of measurements. For an accrual basis it helps for matching. We can match the current year to the next year a lot more easily. And get a lot of better information in that way on our performance. However we also of course want to know about the cash flow. We would like to see the information in terms of a cash flow method as well. That's what the statement of cash flow is doing. So Now we're going to have the income statement telling us how we did over time. Statement of cash flows is going to convert in part that income statement to a cash flow method meaning the net income recorded on an accrual method in the income statement will be part of the process that we will be changing and converting in the statement of cash flows that will happen in the first part of the statement of cash flows there's three parts of the statement of cash flows there's cash flows from operations and cash flows from investing cash flows from financing that cash flows from operation the first part of the statement of cash flows is where we will convert that net income to a cash basis. Two ways that we can do that we can use a direct method or an indirect method. The direct method makes a lot more intuitive sense to most people, it does to me, meaning we're, we would just basically take each line item and say, okay, income, that's on an accrual basis. Let's change income to something on a cash basis and change it not to when it was earned, but when we got the cash. And then, like all the expenses, let's change that from an accrual basis in terms of when we incurred the expense to a cash basis, meaning. We recognize the expense when we uh, paid the cash and then we can have income related to cash that was received and expenses related to cash going out and that would give us net income on a cash basis but it's often going to be the case that we're going to use an indirect method for a few different reasons indirect method one we've already done the calculations for net income so for us to go change every line item although it makes more intuitive sense it may be more work to do so And two, the indirect method is often required anyways. Meaning the indirect method, even if we do the direct method, oftentimes we still have to do the indirect method depending on the regulations. For those two reasons, the indirect method is often going to be the one that will be used. What's going to happen with the indirect method is we're going to say, okay, we already calculated net income. We already have that. Let's start with net income and just back out the differences. Back out the non-cash items and thereby get to the net income Uh, On a cash basis, basically the net cash flows from operating activities, net income basically on a cash basis in an indirect fashion. That's what we'll be focused on here. That's going to be the more common method. Now that's going to be the first part. Now when you hear the direct method and indirect method really only refers to that first part of the statement of cash flows, net cash flows from operating activities. Now there's going to be two other parts that we will have. Because of course we have other cash flows involved. Other than the cash flow from operations. That is basically kind of the income statement conversion as well. And those are going to be cash flows. We're going to call that the investing activities. When we think about investing activities. Those are going to be things that are financial investments. Like that we think of when we have financial investments. But also investments in things like property plant and equipment. So when we we look at the investing activities. We have to be careful with that word investment because a lot of times we can think of it as just financial investments, and we can think of it on a more broad sense as all of the assets being an investment in some way. The only reason we have the assets within the company is that they're there to help us generate revenue in the future. Therefore, they're an investment to help us generate that revenue in the future. So, the cash flows related to uh, the equipment purchases as well to the financial investments will be in the cash flows from investments and then we could have cash flows from financing that could be things like bonds and things like that dividends and those types of things that will be cash flows from the financing activities so how are we going to set this thing up when we do the statement of cash flows the way we want to set this up and we want to have a systematic way of preparing the statement of cash flows so that we can make it and have the least amount of errors as possible it's similar to anything else when we create the balance sheet. We want to make it in such a way that we don't have we don't we can find where the problems are as well as recording journal entries recording the general ledger creating the trial balance all these kind of areas we want to have a system down in order to put this thing together in such a way that when we get to the end if it's not in balance we at least have a system to go back and say oh what ha- what happened what went wrong same thing can happen with the statement of cash flow we want to put it together and we could quite often get to the end of the statement of cash flow and say something's wrong and we don't want to have to start over the whole thing again. So we're going to try to put together a system where we can go back and say, okay, where's, where's the thing wrong in and have a system for us to have those checks and do that in a systematic process. Most people will set up a worksheet with a statement of cash flows. And what we'll do is we'll take the balance sheet from the current year and the balance sheet from the prior year, just line them up and then take subtract the two, getting the difference between those accounts. So notice what we're doing here. The statement of cash flow itself is a timing statement, meaning it records a period of time, the activity over that time in terms of cash flow, similar to an income statement. But we're going to get to that by basically taking the difference between the two set periods, meaning the end of the last year and the end of this year being the activity in the middle, and that's going to be what we're talking about in terms of the difference. Now, what I would usually do is make a worksheet and convert those balance sheets into more of a trial balance type of worksheet and I'm going to condense the trial balance type of worksheet by saying the assets The debit balance accounts are going to have positive numbers The credit balance accounts are going to have negative numbers rather than having the t And what that'll do is we take the assets minus the like I mean we'll take the debits minus the credits will equal zero So we'll know what's in balance and we'll be able to reduce the number of columns and simplify the math in this way so for example if we took the balance sheet for the current period and we put it into a little worksheet here and we say okay here's the current period we've got cash in the current period on the balance sheet first of all we have like a subtotal that says current assets I'm not going to put the subtotal in the worksheet or the title in the worksheet i'm not going to say assets in our worksheet we're just going to put the list of accounts like we would in a trial balance cash being the first one and therefore we're going to say cash is a, is a debit balance so i'm going to put it on the worksheet as a positive number Accounts receivables is our next thing on the balance sheet it has a, a debit balance. Therefore, it's going to be a positive number on our worksheet. Inventory, next, current asset has a, a debit balance. It's going to be a positive number on the worksheet. And prepaid expenses, asset, positive number on the worksheet, debit balance. And then we have the subtotal for total current assets. We're not going to put that on the worksheet. We're basically converting it back from the balance sheet to our trial balance. And we're not going to put the subtotals back in there. So next thing, we got property, plant, and equipment. Again, not going to put the, subtot- the uh, name in there, but then under property, plant, and equipment on the balance sheet, we have equipment. Equipment is an asset, it's a debit balance. We're going to put it as a positive number on our worksheet. And then we got accumulated depreciation. This is a tricky one because remember, it's up there in the assets section, but the balance sheet says less accumulated depreciation. Why? Because we're subtracting it. Why? Because it's a contra asset account, meaning it has a credit balance. We're gonna represent the credit balances on this worksheet as a negative number or bracketed numbers so that we're gonna subtract the debits from the credits to show zero showing it's in balance. So that's gonna be a negative number on the worksheet. Accounts payable then is the next one. We're not gonna put current liabilities. We're gonna take out current liabilities as a sub as a title and just put in accounts payable. It's gonna have a credit. We're gonna represent the credit with bracketed numbers, negative numbers on our worksheet. Then there's going to be short-term uh, note payable. Again, liability. Liabilities. We have credit balances. We're going to represent the credit with a negative number on our worksheet. Long-term notes payable. We're going to have uh, credits. Credits are going to be represented with negative numbers on our worksheet. Then we have common stocks. It's going to be the next account. Common stocks has a credit balance. We're going to represent that with a negative number or brackets on our worksheet. Paid in capital. Also, credit balance, we're going to represent the credit balance with brackets on the worksheet. And then retained earnings is going to have uh, credit balance brackets on the worksheet. We have no income statement because we're just looking at the balance sheet in this case. We're going to look at the change in the balance sheet. Then if we take all of the debits minus all of the credits, it will add up to zero. And that'll give us a quick little worksheet to work with. And if it doesn't add up to zero, then something went wrong. We we should always be able to take our balance sheet convert it to debits and credits making the debits positive and the credits negative and it should add up to zero it has to because if the assets equal the liabilities, posting plus the equity then the debits equal the credits and if the debits equal the credits then the debits minus the equal credits the debits minus the credits will equal zero so i'm going to do that for the current year and i'm going to do that for the prior year and then what we're going to do is subtract the two out for each account so for cash for example we have the current year in this case of 123 450 minus the prior year balance in cash of 61550 bringing the difference to 61900 so notice what that difference means if last year we had 61550 this one this year we had 123450 the difference is how much it increased as a whole meaning it went up and down over the year if you look at the general ledger it went up and down all year but the difference as a whole if we we're going to represent that difference what happened in one kind of Uh, account one number it went up 61,900 so we're gonna do the same for accounts receivable it currently has 77,100 in it last year it had uh, 80,750 therefore accounts receivable went down 3,650 so obviously accounts receivable if we look at the trial balance went up and down but as a whole it went down by that 3,650 inventory same thing we're gonna say that this year we had 240,600 last year 250,700 it went down by ten we're going to compete the, we're going to do this process all the way down our worksheet and note what will happen is that the difference column then will also add up to zero because if we started with something that adds up to zero and we have and we subtracted something else that adds up to zero the difference between all those accounts will then add up to zero and notice what this difference account really kind of is it's going to be the summary Of the activity that happened for the entire year without all the detail in the general ledger if we were just to record the activity in terms of one journal entry of what happened for the entire year this would be it we can say this is the journal entry that kind of represents what happened in the accounts for the entire year and that's going to show the activity that we're going to have next step that we're going to do is find a home for all of that activity on our statement of cash flows so we're gonna have our statement of cash flows I'm going to have my three categories set up in my worksheet for statement of cash flows. And then I've got our worksheet on the other side, basically showing the difference in each account. Now, what we want to do then is find that difference for each account, find a home for it in the statement of cash flows. If we do that, then it must be in balance because it's in balance here. If we find a home for all those numbers on the statement of cash flows, then it will be in balance. A couple things to note within this process. The end number on the Statement of Cash Flows is not going to be zero as it is in our worksheet. The end number on the Statement of Cash Flows is actually going to be the cash in the ending cash account on the balance sheet. That's how that we're going to tie out the Statement of Cash Flows to the balance sheet. And how do we do that? How do we get there? Well, first of all, we're going to find a home for everything except cash. So Remember our difference column? We have the difference column all adds up to zero. If we find a home for all the differences except for the difference in cash, then that will add up to the difference in cash. And that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna find a home for everything except cash in terms of the difference column. And then if it all adds up to zero and we found the home for everything except cash, then it's gonna add up to cash. That's the first thing we're gonna do. And then the last part of the statement of cash flows is gonna take that difference and add the prior year balance to it. Bringing us to the current year balance. That's how we end up with the current year balance. So we're just kind of flipping it over so that we end up with the cash balance as of the current year on the financial statement. So we can tie out the balance sheet cash to the statement of cash flows cash. But what we're really looking at in the statement of cash flows is that change in cash. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to find a home for all the changes and everything but cash and then get that change in cash. So let's see how this would work. First thing we're going to do on the statement of cash flows, first number we probably want to put in there is going to be net income in the indirect method. So Under the cash flows from operations, remember that's going to be basically taking the income statement, putting it into a cash basis. We're going to start with net income on the indirect method. First having net income calculated on the accrual method and backing into net income calculated on a cash basis. First thing you're going to probably say here is, well... That's going to be on the income statement and our whole worksheet that we had here doesn't have the income statement we need to look at the income statement for that and that's true most people will, will t- pull that from the income statement but i would argue that we should take this from the change in the accounts on the balance sheet first even though it's not going to be perfect at first find a home for all the changes in these accounts on the balance sheet then break out any more further changes that we need why because it's going to be a lot easier for us to first be in balance by finding the changes on the balance sheet and then going back and making adjustments in a systematic way so that we know exactly what, where we go wrong if something does go wrong. So where's the change in uh, the, the balance sheet representing net income, the activity that happened? And that of course is going to be in retained earnings. Retained earnings represents the change in, it represents net income being the change in retained earnings retained earnings from last period to retained earnings in this period represents the change. So for example, in this period, we have uh, 230,000 in retained earnings. Last time, 125,500. Difference is 104,500. We're going to say that's net income, 104,500. Now you might be saying, well, there could be other things in retained earnings other than net income. And that's true. And there is in this case, that other thing being dividends. And so this 104,500 is not net income, and I would flag it on the worksheet and say, hey, I'm going to make it yellow and say we have to go back to that or something, but I don't want to start breaking that number out into more components yet because that's just going to complicate my worksheet before I get in balance in the first place. I'd rather just say I'm going to go back and break that number out into dividends and uh, net income later and make sure it ties out, but first I want to be in balance and tie out to my worksheet because that's just the easiest thing to do first off. Then we're going to go to all the accounts other than cash. So right under cash, first account on our worksheet, the difference from this year to last year is accounts receivable. Accounts receivable went down. This year it had 7, 77100 in it. Last year it had 80750 in it. It decreased. Now the first question is where are we going to put that decrease, that 3650 Is it going to be an operating activity, an investing activity, or a financing activity? First thing I would think is, is it an operating activity? And if not, then move on to the others. How would I know if it's an operating activity? Because we're not looking at operating activity has to do with the income statement, and we're looking at the balance sheet. What you want to do is look at the transaction and say, okay, is the other side of the transaction kind of the income statement account? We're backing into the income statement account. And when we invoice something, basically we debit accounts receivable and we credit income on the income statement. So accounts receivable is a way for us to back into the net income so we're looking at the change in accounts receivable in and that change part of that is basically the net income that's how we're backing into the net income so we're starting we're starting from cash so we started at net income on an accrual basis we're reversing this change in accounts receivable so i'm going to give you the general rule we'll explain why and then you kind of want to go back to the general rule oftentimes when you work problems just to memorize how it will go because that'll that'll not allow you to your brain to get mixed up when you're doing test questions and things like that but you want to be able to explain it to yourself when you have time to do so and if you can explain these to yourself if you understand the cash flow statement really that is really good for understanding the accrual system in and of itself cuz you're basically converting the accrual system to cash and that's really good practice for understanding how the thing works so the general rule is that if we have an asset such as accounts receivable is and there is an increase in the asset then we're going to decrease it subtract it from net income. So if the if the asset went up we're going to reduce it from net income. If there's a decrease in an asset such as accounts receivable is we're going to add it to or increase net income by that decrease in accounts receivable. So let's explain why that is an accounts receivable and then the same logic applies to all the other assets and I won't go through the same logic in all the other assets but you can think through it. So there's two two journal entries related to accounts receivable. Accounts receivable goes up. When does it go up? When we debit accounts receivable and we credit sales when we send out an invoice. And then when does it go down? When we get cash and then we have to credit accounts receivable for the cash that we have then received. Note that that first journal entry represents the fact that we're recording income for an IOU meaning we're recording income even though we have not yet got the cash and and therefore we're going to have to basically uh, reduce that from the net income amount because on a cash basis we shouldn't record it until we get the cash that's going to be the idea so if we look at the account as a whole overall if the first journal entry happened more often meaning we made more sales on accounts than we paid off on accounts Then, as a whole, we had more sales on account that we have not yet received cash for, and therefore, net income has these sales in them that we didn't get cash for overall, and that's why we have to decrease it. So, if there's an increase in accounts receivable, we made more sales on account, increasing net income, than we did paying off sales on account, and therefore, we we increased net income for sales that we didn't get cash for. That's why when accounts receivable goes up, we got a decreased net income. And then on the other side, if on the other hand accounts receivable went down, that would mean the second journal tree happened more often. Meaning we got cash and we paid off the receivable more often. And that would mean that we would have to record the income in this time period because we got the cash in this time period. So that's why if the second journal tree happened more often, we got cash and we decreased accounts receivable. Meaning accounts receivable went down overall then we would have to increase that amount to net income representing the fact that we got cash in this time period and that's the time that we need to recognize the income so we have to actually increase the net income at that time so that's kind of the reasoning of it but you want to just memorize the general rule and that general rule being that if an if an asset goes up then we're going to decrease net income on the statement of cash flows if an asset goes down then we're going to increase net income on the statement of cash flows. Next account under cash is going to be inventory. So inventory in our worksheet we had uh, 200 dollars in the current period and then we had the 250,700 difference being a decrease of 10,100. We're finding a home for that decrease. So where does it go? Operating activity, investing activity, financing. The account related to inventory that's on the income statement is cost of goods sold. Therefore, we're going to put it on the operating activity basically backing into that net income and i'm not going to go through the logic again i'm just going to copy the same idea from that we went through for the accounts receivable we're just going to say okay if there's an increase in the asset then we're going to decrease net income by it and if there's a decrease in the asset then we're going to increase by it this one went down the asset went down therefore we're going to add it back to net income just following the same logic we did with accounts receivable so now in the, statement, in the statement of cash flows under cash from operating activities, we got net income, 104500 And then we're going to add to it the account seeable difference, $3,650. we are going to add to it the uh, inventory difference, 10100 Next account, if we look at our differences worksheet, is prepaid expense. It is currently at 15100 Last year it was at 17000 It decreased as well. It's also an asset. Now prepaid expense... The other side of it is some kind of expense, probably insurance. Therefore, it's also going to be in the cash flows from operations, the one related to the income statement. We're going to do the same type of thing. So we're just going to put that in there in accordance with our rule. It went down. Therefore, we're going to increase it back to net income. So Net income is going to increase by that amount as well. We're just going to keep going through these. The next account happens to be equipment. So equipment, then we have to think, okay, the change was, it was at, uh, it's currently at 262,250. Last year, it was at 200,000 change being an increase, 62,250. Now equipment, is it an operating, is it an investing, or is it a financing activity? And you might think it should be an operating, we're using the equipment, but the uh, equipment is an asset, and the other side of it is, uh, you know, the depreciation is going to be on the income statement. But the other side of it isn't on the income statement. So that means that it's not going to be in the operating activity. And it's kind of a tricky one. It's going to be in investing activities. And again, that, was, that used to be tricky to me. Because when I used to think about investing, I would think about that's just going to be like stocks and bonds or investments. But remember, all the assets are kind of investments in a way. And the equipment is especially a long-term investment. Because we bought the equipment in order to help us generate revenue in the future. So if we purchased equipment, then it's going to go on the investing activity here. Also, if if equipment went up or down, of course, it's going to be in the investing activity, even if we sold the equipment as well. I'm going to follow the same logic as with the other assets, meaning the equipment went up. Therefore, we're going to decrease it from from the statement of cash flow. So the equipment went up. We're going to decrease it from the statement of cash flows. Why? Because we're assuming it went up because we paid cash for the equipment now again you might be saying well it's highly possible that we didn't pay cash for the equipment we may have financed the equipment and that may well be but i'm not going to get into that now i'm going to flag it i'm going to make it yellow or something like that and say hey i want to go back in here and check all the equipment purchases and see if we paid cash for the equipment or if we financed it but at this point in time i just want to record the differences in the worksheet (laughs) be in balance and then go back and break out those differences into their subparts at a later time in a systematic way. Then we're going to look at the next account. The next account is going to be accumulated depreciation. Accumulated depreciation is a little bit tricky because remember it's an asset, but it's a contra asset account. So it has a credit balance in it. So it was at the $110,750. And that's what it currently has minus the 95000 Therefore, it went up by 15750 in the credit direction. Now we're not going to quite follow the same rules for the contra asset here. Because it's going to be a bit different in terms of it being the contra asset. What's going to be the other side of accumulated depreciation? It's going to be depreciation expense. So that depreciation expense is on the income statement. And therefore it's going to be part of the cash flows from operations. So we know that difference is going to be in the cash flows from operations. The only question is where are we going to put it. And we, usually we're going to put that up top. So that the depreciation is a non-cash item on the income statement. Representing the difference in the accumulated depreciation. Therefore we're to, we're usually going to put that right under the net income. Instead of calling it like a change in accumulated depreciation. We're not going to say it's a, it's a change in accumulated depreciation. What we're going to say is just this is the depreciation expense that is a non-cash item. Therefore the depreciation expense decreased the net income when it was on the income statement and there's no cash related to it therefore it has to increase the income it has to go back up so that means it's going to be an increase to the net income in the cash flows from operations so if we look at the cash flows from operations now we got 104,500 net income we're adding back to that the net income of 15,750 we are uh, adding back the account seeable change of $3,650, 3,650. We're adding back the inventory change of 10,100 and the prepaid uh, expense change of 1,900. The change in accumulated depreciation usually is depreciation expense, but that's another one where we do need to go back and check it because we could look at the income statement and say, Hey, there's depreciation expense. Is it the same number as what we what we put here in terms of the change in accumulated depreciation? And if it's not, something else could have happened. We could have had a sale or a disposal, which could affect that difference. And we'll have to go back and account for that. But not going to do it now because we'll have to then break that number up and it'll complicate things. Therefore, I'm going to go back into that later and and look at those changes and see if we then need to make adjustments. After I'm already in balance and have found a home, form our worksheet as is right now. Okay, next item we'll take a look at. Accounts payable. So it's going to be accounts payable. And therefore, we have a 17,750 credit in the current period. And last time we had 102,000 credits. Therefore, it went down by the 84,250. Now, again, you can remember this is going to be, well, first of all, which areas are going to be in operating, investing, or financing? And the change in the accounts payable generally represents the other side of it being either some kind of expense or inventory, which ultimately is going to be cost of goods sold. Therefore, it is going to be on the, on the op- statement of operations, representing the income statement, the kind of conversion of net income to the cash basis. So it's going to be on the income statement, and we're going to follow the same kind of rule that we did for all the assets, all the current assets, which was the assets, when they increased, we decreased net income by it. And when they decreased, we, we added that to net income. Well, of course, the opposite is going to be true for liabilities. So for liabilities, if the liabilities increased, then we're going to add them to the net income. And if the liabilities decrease, then we're going to subtract them from the net income. So we're just doing the opposite rules we did for the assets for a similar reason as we went through with the accounts receivable. It's good to think through the accounts payable as well. I won't go through the whole scenario, but if you think about the two transactions for accounts payable, then if we purchase something on account and it was an expense, then we're going to have debit the expense and credit the accounts payable. That's that's when the accounts payable is going to go up. And if you think of the other transaction, then we're paying off the accounts payable. We're debiting uh, the accounts payable and we're crediting cash. If you think about those two transactions in a similar way as we did with accounts receivable, you can kind of figure out and see why this general rule is the case. Meaning if a liability goes up, then we're going to add it to the net income. If a liability goes down, we're going to subtract it from net income next account we're going to have another liability account it's going to be short term notes payable so we've got currently 15000 last year we had a notes payable of 10000 therefore it went up by 5000 so is that going to be uh, operating activity or investing or financing and if it's a note payable if something happened in a note that's going to be part of the financing activity so that's not going to the other side of that isn't the income statement There's going to be uh, interest possibly on the income statement but the change in the note isn't the interest. the change in the note is not the interest. The change in the note in this case is either either going to be that uh, we took out more money or we paid off the actual note, not just the interest, the actual note. in this case, the note went up, went from ten thousand to fifteen, which would indicate that we borrowed more money. so within the cash flows from financing activities i'm going to increase. This amount by the change that five thousand, and we're going to call that cash borrowed on a short-term note. Now it could be something else. There could be more activity happening in that note again. And if we look at the general ledger, there's not going to be a lot of detail. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of transactions in there. We'll go back in and verify what actually happened within that note and see if we have another note. See if we took out another five thousand if that's what actually happened. But again, I'm not going to get into the detail this time. We're going to make it yellow and look at the transactions. Look at the GL later and reconcile before we do that. Then we've got the same thing for the long-term note payable, currently being on the books for 100,000. Last year, 77,500. Change increase in the liability of 20,000, 22,500. Again, financing activity change in the note. The note went up, so it looks like we borrowed more money. So I'm going to go from the cash, uh, cash borrowed on long-term note. Twenty-two thousand five hundred. Again, other things could have happened there, so we're gonna to have to go look at the detail. For example, we might have had the note for non-cash item. We could have had the note because uh, we borrowed it to buy the equipment or something like that. So we're gonna to have to go into more detail on that, but gonna do that at a later time. Gonna first reconcile our worksheet before we do that. Next items, we've got uh, paid. We've got the common stock and the paid-in capital. Now, oftentimes the common stock's not going to change a lot of the times because we're not always issuing stock. But uh, if we issue the stock, then the common stock will change the paid in capital. That's us issuing stock and receiving money for it, kind of like an investment, the owners investing. So in our case, we had common stock of 215,000 this year last year 200,000 change 15 went up and the paid in capital went up by 30,000. Now, remember that these two are related. Because remember the uh, common stock is going to be on at par value oftentimes. And par value is not the fair market value. And then we're going to sell it for over the fair market value. And therefore any added payment above the par value is going to be in the paid in capital. So I'm going to do these two accounts at the same time. Them being related. The change 15 and 30 being a total change of 45. So is that going to be operating, investing, or financing? And in this case, that's also going to be part of the financing activities. We're issuing the common stocks. So we're in the financing activities. We're going to increase this area cash received from issuers of common stock. $45,000 within the financing area. So now we found a home for everything. We found a home for everything except cash. So if we were to look at these sections within our statement of cash flows, we've got the first section. We've got the net income, uh, $104,500 and then we've got the depreciation that we're going to increase it by 15,750, we're increasing by accounts receivable change 3,650, we're increasing by inventory change 10,100, increasing by prop, uh, prepaid expense change 1,900, and then we're subtracting the accounts payable change 84,250. If we add all that up, we end up with 51,650. And then on the cash flows from investing activity, we had the cash paid for purchase of equipment we gotta double check that, but that's what we have right now as the change, and that's a negative or decrease of 62,250. So that's the total amount. That's all we have. So the total net cash flows from investing activities is the decrease 62,250. And then in the cash flows from financing activities, we had the cash borrowed on the short-term note 5,000, cash borrowed on long-term notes 22,500, and cash received from the issuance of common stock 45,000 for a total of 72,500 therefore if we add up those three subcategories meaning we add up net cash flows from operating activities 51,650 we add up cash flows from investing activities a decrease of 62,250 and net cash flows provided by the financing activity 72,500 we then have a change in cash which in this case is an increase of 61,900 if we did that right, then that should add up to the first line on our worksheet the change in cash 61,900. And we want to verify that before we do anything else. Before we go back and and make any adjustments, before we fix what net income is after taking the dividends out, we want to first verify that that number is right and then go back and make the changes. So in this case we have that number and then when we get to the end number, the end number on the balance sheet is the ending cash not the change in cash so we don't stop there because if we stop there although it makes sense to stop there we can't tie the number back to the balance sheet when we present the financial statements so what we're going to do is we're just going to add to that last year's number that's the change and then we add to it what was in cash last year and then if we put those two together then of course that's the ending balance in our case 123,450 is the ending balance and that's just so that we end up with the ending balance. Just so we can tie out the ending balance of the statement of cash flows to the balance sheet. Now we're going to go back and look at those accounts that we highlighted yellow and said, Hey, th- these might not be right. We're going to look at the detail and we're going to go back and try to figure out if we need to break these numbers out in a systematic way. For example, net income, we said, didn't actually tie out to the income, net income on the income statement. That's a problem. We need to fix that. We had 104500 representing the change in retained earnings. But when we will back and look at the GL we notice that there were indeed dividends that went out. And so let's think about the journal entry for dividends. And then make adjustment to our two accounts in the cash flow statement. In a similar way to a transaction. Two accounts one going up one going down. So that we end up with the same ending number. So for example we know that when we have a dividend. The journal entries that we debit retained earnings and we credit cash that's going to be the transaction you want to pull look at and then we got to kind of think and say okay how does that convert to our categories and our cash flow statement and we know that we have the change in net income the change in net income is including that dividend and it shouldn't be therefore what needs to happen is that 104,500 needs to increase by the dividend that we have decreased it by when we put our worksheet in so what we're going to do is we're going to say that there should be an increase to the net income by this dividend amount of 53600 bringing the net income from 104500 to 158100 Now if that's all we did we'd be out of balance. Our ending balance would be wrong. But so we have to change something else. What's the other side of this in terms of our statement of cash flows? Well within the financing activity that's where dividends go. We're going to add a new line in the financing activity and say there was cash paid for dividends. And that's going to be the decrease to cash so you can see we're kind of think about this in terms of like a like a journal entry process and we're going in and just breaking these numbers out that have more than just the components that are on our worksheets into the components in this case we have the change in net income is going to increase and then in the cash flow from financing activities we're going to add a line cash paid for dividends making the decrease and of course the difference then ties out. Next item we flagged that we want to go in and look at the activity was under the cash flows from investing activities. We had cash paid for purchase of equipment and we assumed it was a decrease of 62250 We want to look at the activity in that account for the equipment account. and If we drill down on the general ledger, general ledger and look at the activity, we may pull something. For example, we may have uh, sales and we may have purchases and we're questioning whether the purchase was for cash or not and we're and we want to see if there were any sales of equipment so in this case we had a sale of equipment and we're pulled the journal entry we see a sale of equipment as part of the activity and so we're going to have to break that out and deal with the cash and non-cash accounts in that transaction if we look at this journal entry there was we received cash 26,050 and we sold the equipment the equipment being going off the off the books the equipment has a debit balance we credited it uh, $51,000 to take it off the books. Then we also had to take the accumulated depreciation off the books related to the sale. Accumulated depreciation has a credit balance. We debited accumulated depreciation when we sold the equipment $22,250 and the difference was a loss. So we had the sale of equipment. We sold it for $26,050 debiting cash for that amount. We took the equipment off the books. It had a cost of $51,000 so we credited cash for $51,000. We had to take the related accumulated depreciation off. So we debited the accumulated depreciation related to it, which was 22850 eight fifty and for this transaction we ended up with a loss in order to, for the debits to equal the credits of a debit of two thousand one hundred. So now we got to think about that and say, oh okay, so how are we going to fix that? How are we going to record this journal entry in terms of our statement of cash flows to adjust the accounts that we have there in order to report this activity? Well, first, we know that we had a sale of four cash of twenty six thousand fifty. And we didn't record any sale for cash on our statement of cash flow. That's going to be in the financing. That's going to be in the investing activity. All we recorded was the cash paid for the purchase. Because we lumped it up into one number. But it wasn't just that 62 to 50 difference needs to be broken out. In part to cash that was received. In this case for the sale. So we're going to have a new line item under cash flows from investing activities. And we're going to put that first part in it. The cash that was received. That's going to increase In this case, by the $62,050 that we got. And then we know the equipment, the equipment was taken off the books. And that change in the cash flows from investing activity, the $62,250, includes that equipment. And therefore, we're actually going to add that back to the $62,250 so that the cash paid for purchase of equipment was actually, we're assuming until we look at the actual purchase to verify, was $113,250 because we We included lumped in that number of the sixty thousand two fifty this sale that happened as well. and then the accumulated depreciation of twenty two uh, eight fifty that we took off the books, that difference, the accumulated depreciation difference we recorded in the operating activities in terms of depreciation expense. So we recorded the change in the accumulated depreciation as the fifteen thousand seven fifty. And we probably would then notice that when we looked at the income statement that it didn't tie out to the income statement the difference being in this case $22,850. Why? Because we had the sale of equipment that was the other thing within the general ledger rather than just recording the depreciation expense. So we're going to increase depreciation uh, on the statement of cash flows from the 15250 the change we put in there in terms of accumulated depreciation increasing by this $22,850 uh, for this transaction Bringing the bounce up to 38600 And finally, we had this loss that we had of 2100 Now, the loss is going to be included in net income in the operating activities. But because it's related to the sale of equipment, which we really want in the investing activities, we've included it in the investing activities. So we don't really want it in the operating activities. So it's already in net income. Therefore, what, what we're going to do, the net income went down by that amount. So we need to increase it by that amount. And so within the cash flows from operations right under depreciation we're going to include an account called loss on sales and we're going to add that back in why because we don't want it in the net income we want it in the statement in in the cash flows from investing activities so notice this is a complex transaction if we tried to do this as we go we would probably be very likely to be out of balance and throw ourselves out and not know what really happened and even going back into it in this process it can be complex to transform this journal entry into the increases and decreases but if we do it in this format at least we can go and we can go to our supervisor or someone and say hey i know it's in balance before this i know i got to adjust these accounts related to this transaction how can i adjust these accounts related to this transaction and break out these changes in such a way that will make sense so if we take this journal entry and we then turn it into an increase and decrease in terms of our statement of cash flows we know that we'll at least be in balance if we find those increases and decreases in a similar way as if we were recording a transaction and there, thereby we can at least remain in balance or at least know why we're not in balance and know when we need help and exactly what point that we need help on. Now. If we keep looking through our equipment transactions, it's very possible we find some more transactions in terms of purchasing the equipment. And if we see another purchase, we may see a journal entry that looks something like this. Meaning we purchased equipment, we paid some cash in this case, and then we financed part of it. For example, the journal entry might be we bought equipment for $113,250. We paid cash of $43,250 and we have a long-term debt that we, we're going to incur for this transaction of $70,000. So the journal entry would be equipment went on the books 113,250 debit cash then got credited 43,250 and then we had the long-term debt on the books as a credit of the difference of 70,000 credit. Now we basically had the difference being uh, within the account for cash paid for purchase of equipment and in this case we have this long-term note that needs to be part of that because we didn't pay all cash for it. We didn't pay 113,250 cash. So we can't take that change in, in equipment that and basically put it on there as the change being cash paid because we financed it by seventy thousand. So what are we going to do? We're, we're going to take that account where we have cash paid to purchase equipment, and we're going to reduce it by that seventy thousand. And the other side of that is going to be cash paid on long-term debt. So we need to make that adjustment on the other side as well and as as long as we make the two adjustments every time as we go just like if we are recording a transaction we should still be in balance at the end as we go. And this is another one where it could be confusing to know what the transaction is but it really pinpoints where the problem is so we can then get help within that particular place within the problem rather than getting to the end and saying I got to do the whole thing over again because we have no idea where it's out of balance. So that's the systematic process to go through the statement of cash flows. The statement of cash flows being the three parts of the operating activity, the investing activity, and the financing activity.